HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Hearst Ranch, the nation's largest single-source supplier of free-range, all-natural, grass-fed, and grass-finished beef. For more information, visit HearstRanch.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, this is Diane Stemple. You're listening to Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. So I've been sitting around over the holidays wondering, hmm, what's next on Cutting the Curd? I have about a month more of shows, guest hosting for Ann Saxelby, and I was thinking, hmm, I've pretty much been focusing on the dedication or and or quirkiness of cheese people on their various cheese career paths. So it's time to do some more cheese people. And I thought, well, perhaps I could do some of my personal big cheeses, people who inspired me or befriended me along the way. So I'm very pleased to introduce my first guest of 2013, my first big cheese, Max McCalman, who's really everyone's big cheese. Hello, Max. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be here again. So, um, uh, yes, cheese is what I am, I guess. You are what you eat, and (laughs) that's what I do. Okay. Well, let me tell the audience a little bit about you. I'm sure they know, but I'll uh, reiterate. Uh, Max McCalman is the author of three beautiful and excellent cheese books, which I think we all have in our libraries to drool over or to uh, check, check our information in. He's also he's an award-winning cheese expert and teacher and judge. He's the Dean of Curriculum at Artisanal, and he's the Metro Fromager at Artisanal.com. A very warm welcome to you, Max. Thank you. Thank you. So I've been thinking, uh, focusing on cheese career paths, and you've got a pretty long one. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting up there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't mean, I don't mean to call yeah, I've you. I've been old. around the block a couple of times. <laughs> Your experience. I've been around the pasture. <laughs> if 
fermented. Yes, <laughs> well fermented, yes. Anyway, I remember you back in the day when you had your, well, comparatively small cheese cave at Pichelin mm-hmm. and your amazing cheese board that, I mean, was that the first amazing cheese board in New York or America or, or both? It was definitely not the first. Uh, there were other cheese boards, uh, but um, uh, but we became obsessed uh, with, with the cheese. We started off with 14 uh-huh. when we launched the program. Mm-hmm. 14 at a time, rotating through? Mm, 14 that we thought would be fine. Okay. But people would come in and they say, those are pretty good. What do you have this week? Ah, they and, they uh, pushed you to expand. Yeah, and then they they said that I love those cheeses, and you took that one off. You put something else there. So what happened to that cheese? And so uh, we um, s- switched some cheeses out, mm-hmm. but we mostly added cheeses, mm-hmm. and we went from fourteen to twenty to thirty to forty to fifty to mm-hmm. sixty to seventy. <laughs> And on the on, on the that, plate at the on, on the, the tray board. on top, yeah. On, on then we had a. Um, for those of you who haven't been to Pichelin, they would wheel it around the dining room mm-hmm. so that it would go in front of your table and you would discuss and select what you wanted on your mm-hmm. after-dinner cheese plate. And uh, they still do that. Mm-hmm. They still do that. I'm not affiliated with Pichelin anymore, but um, I like to think of Pichelin as the shrine uh-huh. uh, because uh, for me uh, in my cheese career, but uh, I think Pichelin... Uh, was largely responsible for uh, launching uh, part of this uh, cheese wave in the United States, the appreciation for fine cheeses, cheeses as foods that can stand alone and not just something you mm-hmm. melt over macaroni. Right. Now, you had started in wine? I used to be a wine guy. Okay. So when you first started at Pichelin, you were the wine guy? No. Uh, I was just working part-time. I had just come off from a, a two, two-year sabbatical raising my, uh, my biological daughter. I uh, had two kids from my wife's first marriage. But, um, but after that two-year sabbatical, it was time for her to go to day school, and so mm-hmm. it was time for me to go to work. Okay. At least part-time. And um, Terrence, uh, the chef owner, uh, looked at my resume and thought, well, don't you want to be the general manager? And I said, I can't do that to myself or to my daughter mm-hmm. after uh, being with her 24-7 for the first uh, couple of years of her life, actually more than two years of her life. Uh, and so I said I could work part-time, uh, but then it became clear uh, fairly quickly that uh, that I, well, the rest of staff, I don't know, it was it was difficult to fit in with the rest of the staff because I had a background, a more supervisory background and um, in food and beverage and uh, hotels and restaurants. <clears throat> and uh, so I was not a very good uh, order taker, shall we say. Uh, and uh, You were your own person. Kind of my own person, but I, I was just trying to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Terrence, uh, uh, when he was ready to launch the cheese program, uh, I stepped up to the plate and uh, and so I thought it, that could be a part-time job, but uh, it was only part-time for a couple of days, and then <laughs> it soon became a very demanding job. Uh-huh. And so, now what year did that happen? Uh, the uh, 
the first cheese uh, trolley went out in late 1994. Oh, wow. Uh, then in 1995 uh, is when it really started to take off. Mm-hmm. And it, it gained world recognition mm-hmm. uh, within a few months yeah. after it was launched. How many other restaurants in New York had anything comparable? Uh, well, uh, Chanterelle had mm-hmm. a, a nice cheese program. Mm-hmm. Uh, not quite as elaborate, uh, but it was uh, it was good cheese. And of course, Chanterelle is not there anymore. Uh, but... Um, and not too many other places were doing anything very serious. There was an Italian restaurant, I can't which it was, but uh, had something, but it was not uh, a very successful program. It maybe had been in the past, but long before uh, mm-hmm. we started ours. So we became a destination. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Pichelin, uh, for cheese lovers, uh, Terrence's food is great, mm-hmm. but uh, people wanted to come in for the cheese, mm-hmm. uh, primarily. And that did separate us from many other great restaurants in, in New York. Mm-hmm. And it, it did pretty much put Pichelin on the map. Right. And established the beginning of your cheese career. Correct, it did. And so I, uh, I loved cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, all Had my you life. loved it before? Oh yes. Okay. My first favorite food was cheese. Oh really? Uh, one of my earliest childhood memories uh, was sitting on my mother's kitchen counter, and um, I had a cold, and I was reaching out for a piece of cheese, and uh, my mother said, "Don't touch the cheese. You have a cold." Oh. And uh, you might. Oh no, dairy. I, no, she was afraid that I might infect the cheese with my bugs. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And it was probably exactly the food that I needed at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, uh, what would have cured me uh, was denied. And uh, what you're denied is something you can become attached to. Forever then, want. Forever want. And then growing up in Brazil, uh, a few years later. Uh, we were told that we shouldn't have any dairy products unless the milk is parboiled and definitely no cheese. So I was cheese-starved during my formative years. Because of the... A fear of uh, dairy products in Brazil. Being from America? Being from an American having not been exposed mm-hmm. to all these mm-hmm. all this microflora that it might... So you, did might, you not drink the water either? Uh, we did filter and boil the water, and mm-hmm. that was probably not necessary either, mm-hmm. but... Um, but it was um, it was just precautionary. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So when did you get to eat as much cheese as you wanted? When we came back to the states, uh, I started piling it, piling it on, <laughs> and um, but then it was not until I had the position at Pichelin of being the cheese guy at Pichelin that I was able to really pile it on. Uh-huh. And um, so I've been making up for it ever since. But I I would probably be. If I had had cheese during my formative years, I would probably be six one. Uh, that's in my genes, but uh, because oh. I was cheese starved, I'm only oh. about five eleven. So, oh, you feel your growth was uh, uh, yeah, without my calcium. Oh, okay, uh, <laughs> that's possible, I guess. Okay, so back then, back at Pichelin, what were your favorite things to do to, as part of the job? Oh yeah, one of my favorite things was to uh, one of them was to. Uh, to allay people's fear of cheese. Mm-hmm. And people thought that it was, uh, people looked at fattening? it like it was poisonous, like it was an indulgence, uh, and like it was fattening. Mm-hmm. And people looked at me and they said, well, obviously you don't eat any cheese because look at you. Max and is thin, so just I, for those of you who haven't met him. So I, I, so I, was, I started doing research on this, and I started to discover that actually, well, I started to believe, I wouldn't say discover, but I began to believe that there was a lot that cheese had going for it, uh, not only for keeping their weight off, but uh, it had many other uh, nutritional benefits. Mm-hmm. And the more I've studied it, the more I am, more amazed I am to find out all these great things about cheese. Mm-hmm. Another uh, fun part of the job was to uh, suggest uh, 
cheeses that would pair well with the wines that they requested. Mm-hmm. Or if they had preferences for cheese types, then I might be able to recommend a wine partner for those cheese types. And in more cases than not, cheese and wines do work pretty well, so it's not that hard to do. Mm-hmm. But sometimes they do clash, and that's uh, what I started to uh, You focused on that right away. Because we wanted to make sure the cheese program paid for itself and um, the profits Additional wine would would help. The concomitant beverage sales Mm -hmm. helped to justify having a cheese program. Now, back then, who were your big cheeses? Were they cheesemakers? Were they, you know, who who did you learn from? Who did you look up to? uh, Steve Jenkins, Mm -hmm. uh, Jonathan White, Mm -hmm. and um, uh, Judy Shadd, Mm -hmm. and... uh, uh, Allison Hooper, and uh, who else? Uh, uh, Letty Kilmoyer, and uh, this is going way back. Uh, uh, John Greeley, mm-hmm. uh, Gerd Stern, Sarah Stern, mm-hmm. and uh, Deborah Dickerson. You know, they, you know, it's that generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds, That's great. Now, talk about the opening of Artisanal. That was a big... Big a deal. Big deal and a, a big deal on the cheese scene. What, what, how did, who thought of it? How did it, how long did it take? What was it like? Well, uh, Terrence got the idea because he saw what the cheese program was doing at Pichelin. And, he, and Pichelin was more about the food, a French Mediterranean inspired uh, restaurant mm-hmm. uh, with a cheese program. And cheese became such a focus at Pichelin that uh, he thought that this could be done at a second location Mm -hmm. and because I had with even more of a focus on cheese with more of a focus on cheese Mm -hmm. also with the um, with a place for people to purchase the cheeses Mm -hmm. that they had enjoyed so he wanted to have a little uh, retail shop built into it and you know that shop very well you worked there yourself for a while that was my start in cheese behind the counter at Artisanal yeah and uh, so uh, and it it is a beautiful restaurant Mm -hmm. Um, but um so uh, he wanted something that was in Manhattan, mm-hmm. uh, so he could uh, so he could keep an eye on it, uh, and uh, but he wanted it to be a little less formal, and uh, than Pichelin, and bigger, mm-hmm. and uh, so it is a little less formal formal than Pichelin, and uh, a little less expensive, and instead of having the trolley brought out, people would select from a menu, or they could go up to the cheese counter and speak with the fromager at the cheese counter right. about the selection. And you also had the. Um the sort of caves with the different temperatures mm-hmm. in the room that the people could also go. I like the way you go. put that, the sort of caves. <laughs> well, yeah. they were supposed to be caves Yeah, well, they at, the, at the onset. Yeah, it's, no, I, I was not consulted on, on, on that, but for <laughs> on some the reason. particular temperatures and humidities? Uh, certainly the humidity. I think the temperature worked pretty well, but the humidity levels, that was an afterthought. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got the birch wood right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It was pretty impressive, Beautiful. and you could yeah. sometimes sit in the, sit in the area in the back of the restaurant that was surrounded by the refrigerators. Beautiful. Do they still keep cheese there? I haven't been there uh, in a long time. Yeah, they do keep cheeses there, okay. but uh, hopefully not for very long. Okay. Yeah, because cheeses prefer higher humidity levels. They look good, mm-hmm. and uh, some cheeses are okay with that, uh, but... Anyway. Okay. Well, I just got a uh, the high sign that it's time for our break. We'll okay. be back on Cutting the Curd with Max McCalman after a short break. Thank you.
You're listening to Favorite Flower by Pamela Royal on the Heritage Radio Network.org. grass-fed beef pasture raised on 150,000 acres in Central California Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef free-range, sustainably produced humane Hearst Ranch grass-fed beef the authentic flavor of the American West We're back on Cutting the Curd. It's Diane Stemple. My guest is Max McCalman, and we're talking about cheese careers, his first, and then maybe some other people's. Anyway, um, Max, I have a couple more questions about your career. What do you, what would you say your focus is now? What are you doing now in the cheese world? Mm, good question. Uh, well, my biggest the biggest, most important thing to me, of which I feel most passionate about, is to rescue cheese, rescue artisan cheese, and support artisan cheese production, not just here in the United States, but uh, around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, during my short career, I've seen some fine cheeses become extinct, and I don't think they'll come back. Mm-hmm. Of course, many new cheeses are coming along, and that's very exciting, but it's, it's a shame to think that I'll never, I'll, I don't think that I'll ever taste a Langlofen ever again. You remember Langlois? I do. Yeah, from I Wales, I, right? I didn't like pronouncing it. No, I, I'm not pronouncing it very well. But <laughs> oh, you do great like on pronunciation. Langlois and something like that. <laughs> it was uh, kind of like a Cheshire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. What? Uh, what? How have your particular cheese preferences evolved over the years? Uh, let's see. I. Um, I. I. I I'm open to more kinds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do much prefer raw milk cheeses over pasteurized cheeses. That is not to say that I don't think that pasteurized cheeses can uh, are not good or, or or can't be great. But I much prefer raw mm-hmm. milk, and this is primarily because of one of my second passions is about nutrition mm-hmm. and um, how cheese is a near complete, uh, near perfect food. Mm-hmm. And um, and raw makes that better. Raw, raw to me suggests that it's uh, something that the, the cheesemaker would 
would probably enjoy. And the raw milk cheeses I have seen in my career have also had a longer shelf life mm-hmm. than the pasteurized cheeses, mm-hmm. for the most part. Mm-hmm. Especially for the cheese that has a lot of moisture, uh, a moisture-rich, uh, high-moisture cheese. If it's pasteurized, I call it compromised, uh, is likely to um, go south much faster than a, uh, a raw milk version with the same water content. And isn't the purpose the opposite of that? I mean, isn't the, the FDA fear <coughs> that raw milk is risky and pasteurized is safe? Well, I think that um, there's something to be said for pasteurization because if you don't know your milk supply, you don't know the health of the animals, you don't know about the, the, cheese, the, cheese, the milk handlers or the method of transport, it may be a good idea to pasteurize milk. But if it can be avoided, um, uh, the shelf life can be longer. Now, the cheese made from pasteurized milk may be squeaky clean, but, um, but there's something to, be said, something to be said for probiotics. Mm-hmm. And, um, and cheese offers a, uh, raw milk cheese especially, offers a lot of, lot of life. Mm-hmm. It's a living food. And um, so, yeah, I, I would like to, uh, but I want to promote and support cheese. And I feel like education is very important because I think that if uh, if people are better educated about cheese, then uh, the better chance cheese will survive. Mm-hmm. Okay. In your career, what has surprised you the most? Uh, well, I guess it shouldn't be so as much of a surprise, but there's a lot of fear of cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a, not a surprise at all. Um, other surprises? Oh, how how far American cheese production has come mm-hmm. just in the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. It was coming along pretty well 20 years ago, but now it's just... It's skyrocketed, yeah. Yeah, this yeah. is where the excitement is, right here within our shores. Mm-hmm. And um, that follows a lot, of, a lot mm-hmm. of other food and beverage production here. Yes, yes. And what else um, What else are you doing? Do you, does part of your job include the Internet? Uh, I at artisanalcheese.com. Uh, that's uh, my daytime job now. Uh, that's where I spend uh, most of my working hours now. Uh, I serve as dean of curriculum. We mm-hmm. offer courses there, including a master series, which is uh, it helps people prepare for careers in cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and is that in person and on the internet? Oh, it's strictly well. Uh, the internet is just the way to introduce people not only to our our classes, including mm-hmm. the master series, uh, but it's also to uh, to sell cheese mm-hmm. all across the United States. We do have a few international customers that pay more for FedEx than they pay for the cheese itself. But um, we do, uh, as dean of curriculum, that's I do develop the uh, the uh, syllabus. Mm-hmm. For the classes, and mm-hmm. I also uh, I also work with uh, cheese procurement, uh, cheese descriptions, and um, I write copy for the website. Mm-hmm. I write blogs. Uh, I would write, like to write more, uh, but uh, I do juggle. We we wear a lot of hats at mm-hmm. this company. We're we're a fairly small company, but um, it's a very exciting company. Mm-hmm. Artisanalcheese.com. Okay. And now, what is your newest uh, position on the committee for uh, the certified cheese professionals from American Cheese Society? Many years ago, someone asked me, so why do you call yourself a maître fromager? And, um, and I said, well, because I was handed the title, it's not something that I asked for, uh, because I was juggling the job of being a fromager in a French-inspired restaurant, kind of like a sommelier to wine, a fromager to cheese. 
And uh, I was juggling the job of being the maitre d' of the restaurant, maitre d'hotel. And mm-hmm. so Terrence put the two jobs together and called me a maitre fromager. He made up the term? He, well, the term existed, but mm-hmm. he gave me that title. And then, uh, lo and behold, there is such a title in France, and it's a very serious thing. And so, for and me you've to, been awarded it, correct? Well, not, not, not by French people, but mm-hmm. not French people like me. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think most of them, I think. And I, I like them, too. Uh, most of them, uh-huh. and so um, because I I support cheese making not just here as I said, but mm-hmm. uh, other places too. Mm-hmm. So what's going on with the certificate for cheese professionals? Uh, we just had our first exam, as many of your listeners probably know, mm-hmm. uh, because you've had some uh, some people that yes, passed. Yes, we had and, two people passed on the show. Right. And uh, so the first exam was given in Raleigh at the last American Cheese Society conference in Raleigh uh, last uh, August 1st. And um, out of uh, about 142 people that took the exam, about 121 passed and are now certified cheese professionals, as endorsed by the American Cheese Society. Mm -hmm. And I've been involved with that um, because I had to uh, make amends for taking on that title of being uh, America's first myth or fromage, I guess you could say, in a restaurant. So um, I've been involved in the certification process. Now, what were you making amends for? Well, for... Having assuming, a French title, assuming that I deserve that title <laughs> because I was given it, and so okay, and uh, so uh, instead of calling myself a cheesemonger, uh-huh. and uh, which doesn't you resonate. say that with a bit of contempt? No, it's no contempt. It just <laughs> doesn't roll Many off. Many of the, us call ourselves cheesemongers. Well, it's fine, but it just doesn't roll off the tongue as <laughs> as, as beautifully as maître fromager. Well, that's because you've got the good French accent. I somehow <laughs> southern French accent, uh-huh. perhaps. So now, so now I am the uh, chairman of mm-hmm. the American Cheese Society Certified Cheese Professional Committee. Mm-hmm. And you've and taken over from... Sue Starman. Who developed... who And yes. Sasha Davies, who developed the test? Uh, well, uh, many of us, actually. Okay. And uh, we did uh, find many subject matter experts to mm-hmm. help us in the process. And our committee has about seven members now. And uh, our combined experience on the committee alone is probably uh, 130. 20 years or more, 150 mm-hmm. maybe. Mm-hmm. And so we are uh, trying to keep the program alive and mm-hmm. vibrant and um, preparing for next year's uh, or this year's conference the second in Madison, test. the second mm-hmm. exam. Now, who are you expecting to take the test? Who do you who are you looking for to take the test? Um, people, first, they have to have uh, eligibility. They mm-hmm. need to have... Uh, Which is quite a few years Quite a experience. few years, quite a few hours, and it can be a combined combination of... Uh, uh, course study work, uh, academic or hands-on. It can be volunteer. It doesn't have to be paid work, but uh, they have to have something that shows that they... We don't want people to take the exam if they aren't. If they don't have a t- chance of passing it. Right. So we okay. want to make sure that they don't set themselves up for disappointment. The test really has a lot of different categories. It's some extremely broad-based. Some people might flunk. And, it, and some it's people the kind that of test you have to study be. for. And you need to know many areas of discipline because, as with in, in the cheese world, there's so many facets to it, right. as you know. And so it's not just milk types. Did the people who are creating the test ever sit down and take it uh, secretly, so they didn't, you know, and score it themselves, so they wouldn't have to admit if they passed or failed? 
not that I know of, uh, but uh, but there are quite a few people involved, and we do have a, a professional certification uh, uh, company mm-hmm. that's helping us so that it is a credible and uh, legitimate and legal. To make sure binding. the questions are fair, or right, mm-hmm. and it's it's the questions are drawn from the American Cheese Society's. Uh, we did uh, run a uh, survey to find out what people's jobs were. And then the exam was designed about what people do as mm-hmm. cheese professionals in all phases, from importing to cheese making to restaurant work or any mm-hmm. other jobs. That are in the now, industry. how are you helping it will benefit the people who take the test and pass it? Uh, if they pass this exam and become an ACS certified cheese professional, then this will give uh, the company they work for, it will give them uh, a leg up. Mm-hmm. It will, uh, given a choice between going into two, two cheese shops, one that has a certified cheese professional and one that doesn't, everything else being equal, you'd probably go to the one that has the CCP. Mm-hmm. And uh, for someone looking for work, uh, this would make them a more attractive candidate for a position uh, either as a cheese maker or as in a restaurant. I would hope that uh, people would look at that and say, well, they, they care enough to learn about many facets. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there will be, maybe in the future, we'll have a, a certification for cheese makers. That may be the next certification mm-hmm. that the ACS endorses. Yes, I was going to ask if, if they're planning on, in the future, having specialty areas. We have to make sure that this program is viable, that mm-hmm. it can pay for itself. Right, first do. Do right. the regular test. Because uh, it took us eight years just to get this first exam. Right. And uh, it's a lot. I mean, I think that a lot of members of the ACS were a little impatient to see this first exam first exam uh, come, come Because around. it took so long. It took so long. And they thought, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. Well, we want to make sure it's good. How much does it cost to take the test? Uh, I, if you're a member of the ACS, I'm fairly certain it's $500. Mm-hmm. If you're a non-member, 650 and did uh, did companies help pay? For oh yeah, their many companies mm-hmm. uh, stepped up to the plate. Uh, mm-hmm. Many sponsors uh, and um, even some European sponsors, but mostly American companies and some of the bigger cheese Anyone companies. Anyone in particular? Um, well, Hervé Mons in mm-hmm. Lyon. He mm-hmm. was, I think, their company was the first to uh, kick in some money into the exam. Atlanta Foods International, our company, artisanalcheese.com, mm-hmm. many individuals, mm-hmm. uh, just cheese lovers, right. enthusiasts, mm-hmm. uh, pitched in money. Um, and um, and I know Whole Foods Whole had Foods. a whole oh, program yeah. whole to Foods. train Huge. their cheesemongers who were taking the test. Yes, Whole Foods. A, is, a very extensive program. Yeah, Whole Foods has been very supportive. Very supportive. Very supportive. Mm-hmm. And so without Whole Foods support in the first year, I don't, I don't think we would be this far along. Mm-hmm. How do you think the test will evolve? I think that it, uh, well, we do have, do have a new bank of questions, and so we're going to look at those questions at the whole, at the Winter food, Fancy Food Show in San Francisco, January 22nd. And uh, so we have a team of experts looking at the questions. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the, the exam may become even more difficult in the future. Oh. Uh, because People the, will be happy they took it Exactly. Took it early. Take it now Take before it, it becomes impossible, <laughs> because... Because as the cheese world evolves, uh, there's there are more and more nuances, more things to know about mm-hmm. cheese, especially for a wide-based program like this. So the sooner you take it, the better off you'll be. So sign up now. Go to the American Cheese Society's website, and you can enroll today. But you better do it quick because we do have deadlines. And I believe it's cheesesociety.org. Cheesesociety.org, yes. yes. Or you can just type in American Cheese Society, okay. and you'll and find you'll it there, too. And you'll find it eventually. Right. Okay. Okay, well, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been delightful to interview you, my first big cheese. And uh, this is Cutting the Curd at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for having me, Diane. You're Good very to see you. welcome. Bye.
Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes Store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.